Welcome to Derek Talk. How's everybody doing? Let's talk about an email that I received from a woman by the name of Elaine. She's a 58-year-old teacher, a Chicago woman, who is the mother of two brown boys, Trevor and Derek. Um, she says these two boys are her world, but she obviously is, you know, being the mother of two black teens. She sees what's going on in the world. She's not overly concerned about the gang banging element um, in Chicago, but she is really, really worried about officers shooting her, you know, two black sons. You know, we know what's going on in America. We know what the racial climate consists of. And she says this is something that she often worries about. You know, officers are shooting her two black sons. And I think that's a realistic concern, you know, with the present day America that we live in. Let's talk about this for a minute. And I, I touched briefly on the uh, Dante Wright situation, the 20 year old motorist who was shot by uh, the former Minneapolis police officer. Her name was Kim Potter. She did 16 months uh, at the direction of a judge by the name of Regina Chu. She received a light sentence because, you know, this case was, you know, basically perceived as, you know, an accident. The officer actually meant to grab her stun gun and she uh, fired at this kid and, and shot him fatally. So I don't want to make light of the Dante Wright situation because the reality is, and I'm agreeing with Elaine there in Chicago, a kid, a young man, 20 years of age, a young father lost his life. If he has a daughter, he will never get to attend um, the father-daughter dance with his daughter. If he had a son, um, he will never get to see his son play his first little league game. So that's significant and that's hurtful. And I can't even imagine how hard of a pill that is to swallow for his mom and dad. I want to first say that. Let's talk about this a little bit more in detail, though, because this is a problem. Um, she wanted to know what she can do to prevent her young boys being shot. She wanted to know, you know, the conversation, what it should entail. What should I tell my boys how they should act or interact anytime they are in a verbal altercation with an officer or they are stopped? What should they say? What should their demeanor be? She has those types of questions. I will do my best to answer that. Let's talk about a statistic that I think is alarming. Um, black people who account for 13 percent of the u.s population accounted for 27 percent of those fatally shot and killed by police in 2021 according to mapping police violence this is a nonprofit group that tracks police shootings so that's an alarming statistic um also i want to talk about a guy by the name of ronell foster when ronell foster was riding his bicycle through the streets of vallejo california one evening when a police officer noticed that the bike had no lights and Foster was weaving in and out of traffic, the officer, a guy by the name of Ryan McMahon, went after Foster with lights flashing, siren blaring, and the car's spotlight pointed directly at him. Foster ditched the bike and ran. McMahon, a rookie on the force, used a taser on the father of two and struck him several times with a department-issued flashlight. He shot Foster seven times, fatally killed this man, 33-year-old um, uh, Ronell Foster. And, you know, the black man died in some bushes near an apartment complex. You know, there is this perception that African-American men are dangerous. And I think much of that is due to a lot of the um, stereotypes that we see in the media, because oftentimes when you watch the news, who do you see committing crimes? Young black men. And I think many of these officers, they take their personal thoughts about black men into their job. 
And, you know, if you're a guy from Texas and you grew up thinking, you know, all African-American people or minorities are bad or, you know, don't take care of their kids or thugs or gang affiliated, you're going to take that onto the job. And when you're out there in your uh, neighborhood, you know, you're patrolling these urban areas like Chicago or Atlanta or Detroit, you take these stereotypes with you. And oftentimes when you're interacting with these young black men, you're going to do something regretful because there is a fear of young black men. And I think that's something that we need to work on. Uh, many experts say the problem is mainly um, that these officers do not live in the cities or, or towns that they patrol. That is what one man said. Uh, if we talk about Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed, for example, only 8% of the officers live in the city, according to an analysis by the Minneapolis Star Tribune. So, and if you look at the Rodney King situation of the four officers tried in the 1992 case of Rodney King, who was struck as many as 56 times with batons, kicked and stomped, none of them lived in South Central Los Angeles, which is where the uh, recorded beating took place. Now, Carl Douglas, he is a Los Angeles civil rights attorney. He stated, and because they don't live around us, they don't know us. Many drive to their all-white neighborhoods where many of these racial stereotypes are perpetuated. You know, the people they patrol don't look like their brothers or their fathers or their cousins or sons. They don't have a connection to the humanity of black people, the sense of connection that is needed to care about people on a human level. So what essentially this civil rights attorney in L.A. is saying that many of these officers that patrol these urban areas, I just said it, Detroit, L.A., south side of Chicago, they don't have a human connection with these kids. They don't go to the pickup basketball game. They don't go to the Y. They pick up these kids because, you know, these kids are, you know, breaking the law. So when you have that young black man in the back of your patrol car, he's sagging, you know, you're thinking, hey, this guy's gang affiliated. He's a potential danger to me. So where you uh, fear this young man because of the stereotypes that you have seen perpetuated by the media, you do something silly. You do something regretful, like shoot him or bring him bodily harm. So I think what young black men need to do, you need to assume that when you're pulled over by a, a law, law enforcement officer, that they are assuming that you're guilty. Because you're a young black man, because of the stereotypes that we see perpetuated in America today, society, and by the judicial system, unfortunately, you need to assume that they perceive you as guilty. So you need to act accordingly. You need to keep your hands in a visible area where that officer can see your hands at all times. If he can see your hands and he knows you're not reaching for a weapon, you're not reaching for a gun or a knife, he can relax because you're not posing a potential threat. He can see your hands. Also, you need to maintain eye contact. You need to always keep your eyes on the officer. Therefore, he can see your eyes. He can see your pupils. They're not dilated. You are coherent. You are not under the influence of some type of controlled substance like, you know, heroin or cocaine. You're, you're not you don't fit into the stereotypes that they hear about or that they see perpetuated. You're a good kid who is going to conform. You need to be verbal and communicate. Officer, I am unarmed. I am going to follow your uh, request, your demands. I am not being combative. Um, let him know what you're going to do. In other words, officer, is it okay if I reach for my license and registration? Sure. Okay. Is that okay, officer? You know, you need to be verbal because you need to make sure that you as a young black man make it home back to your family. And I think there are preventative measures that, you know, young black men can take to make sure or 
try to make sure that that happens. Oftentimes, sometimes you can't prevent it because many of these officers, they need to be retrained. Um, there's this, um, I have a badge, so I have all the authority. And there's this um, bully type of thinking, this control type of thinking that because I have the authority, you're going to do exactly what I say. It's kind of like a power hungry type mechanism or, or um, dynamic in play. So I think what officers need to do on the flip side of that is they need to, you know, get to know these kids that, you know, you patrol their neighborhood, engage the kids. Don't be the authoritative figure that they fear. They see you coming and they're like, oh, no, I better run. I'm going to jail. Because I think that's what happened in the Dante Wright situation. I think he feared for what might happen. He had a warrant. He was arrested. I better take off. And I think many young black men feel that way. I cannot trust law enforcement. They're going to lock me up. They don't care about me. They don't know me. They don't have any sympathy for me. I'm a black man. So I think the officers need to work on trying to repair that relationship between themselves and young African-American men in many of these urban areas that they patrol. That is a good start. You guys have been locked into Derek Talk. Everybody have a fantastic day. Take care.